Welcome back to the Back to Blue podcast. I am Naka Kondo, lead editor of Back to Blue, an initiative of Economist Impact and the Nippon Foundation on Ocean Health. Today, I am excited to welcome Anne Marie Avelines, co-founder and COO of Great Bubble Barrier. Welcome, Anne, to our podcast. I thought maybe we could start with a bit of background about the Great Bubble Barrier, which was founded in 2015. We'd be interested to learn its ambitions, what problems it aims to solve, and what the journey has been like so far. So the Great Bubble Barrier was founded on two places, but at the same time by four different people. One person was located in Berlin, and the other three, of which I'm one, in Amsterdam. And what we share is a big heart. For making the world a better place, but also we all love spending time on the water, our servers and sailors, and we were all confronted with the plastic pollution in the lakes and in the seas that we were enjoying our life in. So that brought it to conversations that were reoccurring on what can we do about it right now, and we know at the core is awareness around this pollution and also policy change, but we actually wanted to stop. Plastic pollution right in the rivers, so at least those highways of plastic pollution towards the ocean and sea would stop right away, to close the tap at that point. So while thinking and brainstorming, we were inspired to do something with bubbles because bubbles rise. So our group of friends actually got inspired by a glass of beer in the pub while we were talking about it for like the tenth time, and we're thinking, why not use bubble curtains to guide the plastic towards one corner of a waterway and then capture it there? We thought we were geniuses at that time, but later on we found out bubble curtains already existed, which was actually a benefit because we only had to adapt the technology and the design and the application of bubble curtains to make it work for a bubble barrier. Our fourth founder, Philip, located in Berlin, he came up with the idea with seeing a waste a water treatment plant. And seeing air being used there as well, and that also sparked the idea to start working on that. We met quite early in our kind of process of coming up with the idea back in 2016, and we had the same goal and the same plan. So until today, we're still all together and、uh, making this social enterprise work and placing bubble barriers on different locations in Europe to capture plastic before it flows into the ocean. That is interesting. But in layman's terms, how do the bubbles actually work? Is it that you're stopping plastics moving, or you're moving them from one part of the river, sort of, to another area where they're captured? Yeah, a bit of both, actually. Well, I will describe the product. Actually, I think that helps. It's a tube that is perforated with little holes on the side. We place that tube at the bottom of a waterway. Diagonally on the natural current that a waterway has, so you're looking into rivers or canals or these type of waterways, and then because we place it diagonally, we don't have to fully block it. We're actually guiding it because of the diagonal placement into one corner, and then there we have a catchment system, which is anchored where we can collect it and then empty that catchment system on the side of the waterway. So we have the full coverage over the full width of waterway and also the full depth. And because we use bubbles, ships、uh, can still pass, and fish can still make migrate, and we only use that catchment system on the side that is kind of a solid structure on the surface of the water. We bring the plastic up with the bubbles, and the floating plastic is already being guided、uh, because it's already at the surface towards that catchment system. If that makes a clear picture. 
And how do you work in terms of implementation? So, are you working with local government and shipping companies? Who are your stakeholders when you actually integrate these? Because these are, I guess, infrastructures that people are using. What really is the process like? So, what we've seen is that the government is one of the most crucial stakeholders. They own the waterways. They are the authorities to decide over what's happening there. And we already have great relationships with some of the governments in the Netherlands to place these systems. But one of the main challenges is that there is not always allocated budget for waste that's located in water. So governments don't always have the full capacity to, for example, purchase a bubble barrier, and that's where private companies come in or citizen-led crowdfunding comes in. We've already ended up a couple of times with a public-private partnership, which also sparks a lot of other types of cooperation and collaboration. So, for example, if you work together with citizens or NGOs, you can monitor the type of waste that you're capturing after and collect that data, and then feed that back into the public authorities. So that's for them a source of knowledge that they can build policy on. So that public-private collaboration is very key in there. You've mentioned that you're a social enterprise. We do have this challenge in sustainability projects of scaling up. How are you faring on this front? How far can you go with this as a social enterprise? So we've kind of launched our product in the Netherlands. We're now preparing to have the first projects running in Belgium, Germany, and the UK. There's a project coming up in Portugal quite soon as well. And what we see is that the technology right now is ready to scale from the Netherlands to other countries. But we are preparing to adapt our technology as well to then move to other continents, let's say Southeast Asia. We're also working towards some projects in Japan, so we're constantly adapting because, of course, implementing in the country where you're from, you know the network, you know the regulation. When you move to other countries, there's different ways of business development being done there. So we're on that track right now to scale to other countries in Europe, and that's very exciting. We get a lot of enthusiastic reactions back from different corners. Oh, I'm sure. And what size of plastics does it go down to? As in, you're also able to pick up microplastics. Yeah, we capture plastics as small as one millimeter up to one meter. As the smallest item that you maybe can visualize is a styrofoam ball, up to Christmas trees or surfboards. What we're still trying to investigate is whether we can go to the non-visible microplastics that are smaller than one millimeter. But it's very hard to kind of detect differences in volume in natural or operational situations. So we can measure from one millimeter on, and everything below we're just not sure yet. And I think capturing those bigger microplastics, mesoplastics, and microplastics already make a huge difference in the amount of pollution or degradations of plastics that would happen along the way. How do you see future innovations and developments happening in this field of plastics removal technology? So I think if you move into the future, you would need different solutions for different type of rivers. And as I said before, we are very good in the waterways where there's ship traffic, but there's also solutions like litter booms, kind of a floating barrier on the surface that you could place on waterways or where there's no ship traffic or at the end of harbors. And I think we'll end up with different categories for different waterways and. What we've learned so far is that every river is unique, so you really need to look at the needs per river to decide what is the perfect solution for that place. So allow me to go back to your previous point. 
You mentioned earlier that you've had a very enthusiastic response. So have you generally found that government counterparts that you've worked with have been easy to engage? And what are the challenges, if any, to rolling this out now that this technology is proven that it can work? I think when you come up with innovation, there's always challenges. So yes, (laughs) we have found those challenges as well. What we see as enthusiastic reactions is, for example, the city of Amsterdam being the first pioneer that said, place a bill barrier in one of our historical canals and we will run a pilot from three to four years and then decide if we want to have more or not. They were the first government that said, that said, we want this. We will make policy ahead of the rest of the policy requirements almost. And they're still a big ambassador for us. In Katwijk, there were multiple citizens cleaning the beaches and they found out that everything that they found on the beaches was actually, you could trace back to one river going to the North Sea. And they found a foundation specifically to tackle this problem. And they've been convincing the local governments, 12 municipalities in total, to team up, make a consortium and purchase a bubble barrier. So it comes from different areas of society, both governmental or citizen-led and sometimes also private companies. And what we see that the biggest challenge is, is that funding needs to come from different angles as well. So right now there's no policy around the world to our knowledge that focuses on what to do if waste is in water, who is responsible for cleaning that up. And I've sometimes even heard, well, if it's in the water, it will flow to the next country or to the sea, and then it's not my problem yet. You won't find that maybe into a face-to-face conversation, but these kind of messages we sometimes get through as well, which means that all topics that are regarding water are very difficult to get dedicated or committed authorities behind to do something with it. So that's one of the reasons why We also raise more awareness to this challenge. We hope that at one point there will be more ownership about this issue. And we do see that there's already governments that are ahead, that are pioneering and that say, well, we we take responsibility for this. We will act on this. And we would like to work with private companies, with citizens, with NGOs to tackle this plastic pollution, at least in my region. So final question, what is your medium term plan? Yeah, so we're placing a bubble barrier I expect in between now and half a year in the Porto region, so in Portugal, and we're looking into different projects in Germany and the UK. I can't really mention a location there yet, but it looks very promising. And we're in good conversation with a location in the Netherlands, which is called Harlingen. It's very close to the protected Wadesee. It's also a UNESCO World Heritage, for example. So then we're actually in two places that are World Heritage, which is pretty cool. So there's a lot on the road there. Thank you so much. That has been really interesting and helped us deepen our understanding of this topic. And thank you for listening. Back to Blue, an initiative of Economist Impact and the Nippon Foundation are hoping to spearhead a coordinated global response to marine pollution and design a roadmap by 2025 to close the marine pollution data gap. To learn more, download our discussions paper, The Zero Pollution Ocean, A Call to Close the Evidence Gap. Do visit our website at backtobluewinitiative.com.